How we doing? This is Rob Bolster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where, where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. All right, happy Friday, everyone. This is Rob Foster, episode number 74 of Shut Up and Grind with us truly. So, you know, the premise of this show is we talk about overcoming obstacles. We talk about stepping into your greatness and becoming the best version of yourself. Now, all these things might sound cliche-ish, but we get down to the heart of the matter, the heart of what's holding you back. And I've brought people from all over the world sharing their stories about how they got to where they want to get. And so I was speaking with a woman yesterday from Thailand, and we were going into her backstory. And I'm telling you, this message, it's global. It's global. So people always talk about American culture, and they blame things on American culture. It's just human nature. We all want to be happy. We all want to be healthy. We all want to be successful. But somewhere along the lines, we struggle. And so the premise of this show is we talk about how we get through those struggles. And it could be racial struggles. It could be sexist struggles. It could be financial struggles. Like, it doesn't matter what the struggle is. Everybody struggles with something. I don't particularly care about the struggle. I care about how you got through the struggle. So that's what we focus on in this show. I don't want to say I don't care. Of course I care. You all know I have a big heart. But like I said, everyone struggles. So we want to get beyond that struggle. And so today... Today, we're going to talk about what does success mean to you? Because I spoke on someone else's show a couple of days ago. And, you know, over here, it says how to step into your greatness. And so she asked me, like, what is what does greatness mean to you? And I just want to share that answer real quick before I introduce our, our guest speaker today. And, and I told her, I said, greatness is excelling at whatever you're good at that makes you happy and allows you to earn a living. Like that is greatness. So for someone like Michael Jordan, like he always wanted to dominate. He wanted to dominate in life. He wanted to dominate in business and the man's a billionaire. But there's someone else who could maybe is a server and seeing their customers come in in the morning, they're, they're regulars and their face lights up and they start their day off on a good foot. That could be their greatness for someone like me. I'm a competitor. So that's what fuels me. And it doesn't matter what the competition is. It could be chess. It could be basketball. It could be track and field. It could be obstacle racing. It could be tic-tac-toe. Like, it doesn't matter what the competition is. But that's what fuels my soul. So we're going to talk to our guest today. And we're going we're gonna to figure out, like, what does success mean to her? How did she get to where she is? And how she helps other people find their success. So... Who is this guest I speak of? All right. She's the owner of Furman Law. I know you, you gave it to me, too, and I still forgot. 
Furman. Yes, okay. He's <laughs> the owner of Furman Law. See, that's the joys of going live. Like, w- when you mess up, you just have to have fun with it. <laughs> so, and she's the creator of the More Than Corporate podcast. Her goal is to share her story to inspire others to make their dreams come true. So, welcome, Amber Furman. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I love the I love the live intro and the rolling with it. That's amazing. <laughs> Gotta roll with it. I was on the stretch for probably about five or six shows where I, I forgot to ask people how to pronounce their names. So, <laughs> so I'm doing my thing again. Welcome. They'll tell you when they come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. That's that's amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day to share with with our, our audience. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. Awesome. All right, well, let's dive in. So I ask everyone this first question is just in 60 seconds or less. Who is Amber? Amber is a recovering perfectionist, a serial accomplisher, attorney, success architect, just lover of life, always doing whatever I possibly can to make sure that I'm living the life that I want to live and helping others do the same. Love it. And I'm glad that, that you said recovering perfectionist, because I'm sure you hear this a lot with the people you work with. I hear it a lot with the people I work with, that they just need things to be perfect. And you really don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. So before we, we get into where you are now, how, how did you be in a perfectionist? How did that hold you back in the beginning? So I honestly don't think that it held me back in the beginning. I think that it pushed me to where I am. And then eventually I had this crash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do, as, because like, look, we're talking law school, we're talking academic stuff. Like there's, you can sit there and be a perfectionist in those fields and study all day long. And that actually tends to be a little bit of a driver for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you enter the entrepreneurial world and perfectionist is like the entrepreneurial, like kryptonite, right? Once you, once you get in there, you're like, crap, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like everybody else looks like they got this shit all figured out. And here Mm -hmm. I am trying to figure out like how to put cream in my coffee in the morning. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And what happens is like, we have this amazing ability as human beings to think that we're the only ones that suck at something. And so we're like, okay, well, this just must not be for me then. Right. So I'm just going to go back and do something else. So once I opened my own business, that's when I really saw this perfectionism, like starting to be a problem outside of that. I justified it as like academic excellence. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like it, it definitely has its place, like being an athlete, you know, like and there are some things where you just have to be precise, you know, like like the training has to be precise. The nutrition has to be precise. You know, your recovery days, your mobility, your flexibility. Like there's so many things that have to be precise. But you're absolutely right. When you're an entrepreneur, you know, the going quote is always done beats perfect every time. Yeah, like, absolutely. Just, yep. Just get it out and improve. Get it out and improve. Yeah, I did a podcast episode with somebody the other day and we were laughing so hard because he was like, what's the entrepreneurial motto, right? It's ready, fire, aim. He's like, because if you yes. do it the other way, if you do it the other way, it ends up being ready, aim, 
okay, maybe aim a little more. Okay. Maybe I'm not ready. Okay. Aim again. And you never get to that fire spot. Right. And that's where that perfectionist comes in. I get asked all the time, like, what is, it's one of my favorite questions. Like, what is something you wish you knew when you started? And my answer is always that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Right. Like on, on this perfectionist, on this perfectionist topic, we think everybody has it figured out and nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Like some are just better at others than, than going in blind. Yes, exactly. Like I, I was listening to a comedian the other day and he was talking about Steve Jobs, you know, and, he, and he's like, you know, God rest his soul. But uh, he was saying, you know, like this, this, like this guy, like what's the big deal with this guy? You know, he's like, he just came up with stuff. Like, but did he actually, <laughs> did he actually invent it? Like he just went to his team of engineers and said, I want my whole music, music thing on this phone. He's like, and don't come out till it's done. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because there's like two concepts in there that I think are super powerhouse concepts. The first one, there's this amazing book out um, called steal like an artist, which mm-hmm. was something that I, have you read it? No. Okay. It's so good. And it basically traces every idea that you could possibly think of back like centuries and centuries. And the idea is like people stop themselves because they think, oh, this isn't a unique idea. Somebody else is doing this. So I can't do it. Nothing's new anymore. Right? Like we have so much um, time behind us and so much evolution behind us that everything we could possibly think of has been thought of before. There's nothing like there was nothing new in you know, what you're just talking about, we just used it differently, right? We just put it in a different order. We just made it more for us. Like we advance with technology, but the concepts, right? They're the same and you're making them something different. So I um, absolutely loved that idea of like steal like an artist, right? Like there's nothing new for you to do. And then the the other thing was like, we want to make it so difficult, as people, we want to make it so complicated, but if yes. you listen to what people tell you they need and then you give it to them, like there's your business, right? Listen to what people need, give it to them. They give you money. Welcome yes. to entrepreneurism. Exactly. And, and it's funny because I was saying that just the other day to my fitness clients. I'm like, I said, why do you guys complicate shit constantly? It's like, you know what to do. You know what to do. You're just not doing it. So we just have to figure out why you're not doing it. It's like, I'm not going to tell you anything that I haven't told you four years ago. It was the exact same concept. Eat clean, 75-25, train at least three days a week, get 10,000 steps. That's the formula. If you want to lose weight and get fit, that's the formula. It doesn't matter where you train. Those things have to be in line. Yeah, absolutely. And and the answer to your question is like, we have this thing in our head, right? That's been being groomed our entire life. It's been being created. Our values are our stuff that goes on in our unconscious mind. That's been um, being created based upon all the experience we've had. And so it's like, people don't think about this. It's never about the food, right? If it was about the food and the exercise and the steps, everybody would have it if they wanted it. But what it's about is that time that you were five years old and somebody said, do you look at that jackass out there? Like nobody wants to be like him. Right. And then you start to get in shape and you're like, well, crap, I don't want to be a jackass. And your unconscious mind is all right. Let's eat donuts. Right. So (laughs) it's, it's the self-sabotage that we don't even know is happening. And it's crazy to be able to dig into that and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I was a sabotaging my own success because somebody made this offhanded comment when I was six and I took it literally. 
Exactly, because and and I call that the clipping the clipping of the wings because it, it yeah. happens all the time. People will have have a big idea. Like I shared this story on someone else's podcast the other day. I was speaking. This is pre-COVID. I was speaking to a fourth grade class, and I was just asking the kids, you know, what do you like to do? What do you like to do? So this one young girl stands up and said, "Well, she says I like to sing." And I was like, "Oh, I said, like, you know, do, do you want to sing for us now?" And she's like, no. I'm like, why? She's like, because people are going to laugh at me. And I said, what if I promise you that no one in here will laugh at you? No one in here will make fun of you. Then will you come up here here and sing? And I made the whole class like, you guys, we are going to support her. Right? She wants to sing. And everybody in the class agreed. I brought her up front. She sang for about maybe 20 seconds. I had everybody stand up. We gave her a standing ovation. like, And she just lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, I love it. You know, I love and, it. Yeah, because too many times people want to pursue something, and then other people who aren't even doing what they want to do are telling them that they can't do it, or they're stupid, or you're chasing a dream, or something along those lines. And like, that's the biggest dream killer is other people. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, there's um, the quote: "What don't let the person um, don't let somebody tell." Um, don't let the person who says it's impossible stop the person that's doing it. Yes. You know, like yep. the, that person that's out there that says like, this can't be done. Like, don't let them get in your way. But this also brings up a really cool topic about failure because I, I talk to people all the time when they're like, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. And, and my, my question to them is, are you really afraid of failing or are you afraid of what people are going to think of you when you fail? Like yeah. if you were in your house and you were alone and nobody was around, would you think twice about doing this and not being successful? Mm-hmm. And most people were like, of course, then it's not the failure that scares you. It's what people are going to think of you when you fail. And once you realize that and separate that, you're dealing with two different issues. Yes. I agree with that wholeheartedly because my thing is there's only failure when you quit. Yeah. Like 20 years ago, I was going to get into insurance. Insurance wasn't for me. Like I didn't even finish getting the license. Like I just knew it wasn't for me. And then I was going to try to do some, something different. That wasn't for me. I started selling with Herbalife. That wasn't for me, but but I just kept trying to different avenues until I found mine. Yeah. So my mindset is like, it it, it wasn't a failure. That just wasn't the right fit. Yeah, but we're raised in, and I'm so glad you brought this up because we're raised in this place where if you say you want something and then you don't accomplish it, you failed and you didn't fail. You just didn't want it. Right. You weren't, there's this amazing book. It's my favorite book. It's the book I gift to people the most. Um, and it's the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. And if you haven't, if you guys haven't read it, you should. It's amazing. And he talks about what problems do you want to have in life? Like we shouldn't be asking ourselves what we want to have, we should be asking ourselves what we're willing to work for in order to get, because everybody wants to be that pristine, you know, let's, let's use money, for example, because we're in the entrepreneurial space or fitness, you know, everybody wants to have that perfect fitness body. Are you willing to put in the work that it takes and make the sacrifices or the choices? I I don't like the word sacrifice. The choices that you need to make in order to have that perfect body. If you're not, if you're not willing to make the choices that need to be made, then you don't want it as bad as you thought you did. And you need to figure out why. 
Why don't you want it? Are you afraid of what it's going to end up being like? Are you in your comfort zone? Like there's a reason that you're not willing to make the choices. And the reason I don't like the word sacrifice as far as this conversation is concerned is because if you are truly making choices that are in alignment with what you actually want, you are sacrificing nothing. You know, you are making the choices that fit you and you're saying no to the things that don't get you closer to your yes. That's not a sacrifice. That's a choice. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because when people come to me with whatever the, the excuse of the day is, I always bring it back to you, but you still had a choice. Like someone said, like I have people who love, they I have a private group where they post their food journals and this this woman's like, you know, I, I was traveling, I was this, I was that, and I said, okay, I said, you realize pretty much no matter where you go, there's healthy food. I said, so you didn't have to eat crap all three meals, like you chose to, and now you're blaming it on the travel. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't the travel, it comes back to your choice, but you said the key word earlier, values. That's, that's the driving force behind people. Like for me, I was overweight one time. Once that was it. I was 228 pounds and six, one and a half. And I was mortified. And I told myself, because again, I was an all American athlete. So to, to, to get to that level, I made a decision that day when I was fed up, this will not happen ever again. I said, I won't even get over 200 pounds ever again. And I didn't. And I've had seven surgeries. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean? having seven surgeries and still never got over 200 because I made the conscious decision that this will not happen ever again. But yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you on the values thing, but it also goes a little bit deeper than that. And I'll use my story as an experience. I've um, suffered from weight problems my entire life. And I'm in the process of, of finishing those or of um, finally dealing with those, but it's been an up and down my entire life. And I can go back and, and think of times where like excuses were made for you as a kid, right? You're just big yeah. boned. What the hell is big boned? <laughs> like, I don't even know what that is. Right. Um, it's like, we try so hard to make people feel comfortable about who they are, which is amazing. But when we do that, you know, oh, you're beautiful the way that you are. Like, that's not actually telling somebody they're beautiful, right? Like, if you yeah. really break that down, <laughs> like, it's like, well, I guess, you know, but I had been told my entire life, you'll never be able to do anything about your weight. Mm. And then it becomes something that's kind of out of your control. And that becomes your programming, right? Yes. So you can have all the, the positive values in the world and you can eat all the healthy stuff. Like our minds are powerful things and they will create a reality that we want to create. So you yeah. can eat all the kale and broccoli and vegetables and, and chicken breasts that you want. If your brain believes there's nothing you can do about your weight, you're going to find a way to self-sabotage that every single time. Mm -hmm. You're going to stress yourself out so that you hold on to the weight. There's going to be hormone changes that have you hold on to the weight. Like yeah. I've had clients who have dropped a ridiculous amount of weight after we do some mindset breakthroughs because their, their body's like, oh, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. It, sometimes it's a protection mechanism. Sometimes it's, you know, there's so much that goes on that we haven't even begun to, to scratch the surface on, but you're right on the values. It's just only part of the equation. Yeah. Now I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent. And to, to what you said about pe people being, Oh, you're beautiful the way you are. I tell people I'm not in the beauty industry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the fitness industry. 
You know, so it's like my job is to get people healthy and fit. Beauty is a completely separate category. Yeah. You know? Like, in, unless you're a, you're a fitness model or, or you do fitness competitions, then you, then you're getting judged on your looks. Like I, right. I, I work on getting people healthy, you yeah. know, but, uh, but yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Cause a lot of it, I tell people, this is your computer. Just like the computer I'm on now, if I click this button, this whole show goes off. Yeah, like, like the computer responds to what I give it, and same thing with any negative self talk is going to end up controlling your actions. So you spot on with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I listen in the intro. You have the um, quote, which is one of my absolutely favorite things ever: the correlation between updating your computer and updating your brain. Like my, I mean, we talk about how amazing these are, right? Yeah. It will shut down if you miss an if you miss an update. Like you miss an update, and nothing <laughs> on this works, right? It's like how the hell did I go back to like? What, what are the things? Is it an abacus where you're like moving things from yeah. one side to the other? Like when did my iPhone turn into a thousand dollar abacus? Um, and, and it's because you didn't do the update, right? So why do you expect that your brain's any different? Like it, it just doesn't work that way. See, and part of it too, going back to that fear of judgment is that people don't want to be labeled as, oh, you've changed. It's like, I mean, yes. you, you, should ha- you should have changed. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 47 this year. You, you think I have the same mindset of when I was 22 or even 32, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, my mom and I were just talking about this the other day because um, my dad passed away when I was 17. And um, my mom was the – she was an amazing human. She is an amazing human. Um, she was also a really young mother. And so responsibility wasn't quite high on her, um, on her list of positive traits, but she had my dad. Right. And so I was really close to my dad. My dad was the caretaker. My mom was there when she wanted to be like, she always cared for us, but then my dad passed away and she had two kids. Um, my brothers were eight and 10 at the time and needed to figure out how to be a mother, a father, a caregiver that she had never really been forced to be before unless she wanted to be. And all of the sudden, like the person who would say, Oh, I'm not going to work today. I'm I'm just going to leave work and go hang out with my sister or here, you know, take care of the kids. I'm going to go hang out with my family. Like that couldn't happen anymore because you have two kids that are depending on you. And now like number one, emotionally you're shaken because of this, this change. And then second of all, you've got to become this person. And everybody looks at you and says, well, why aren't you the person you used to be? You know, you, nobody likes change. And when you start to change and that affects people around you, then they get uncomfortable because you're changing. And that's where that, you know, we're all afraid of number one change, like you said, but number two, the people around us are so afraid of change that they end up unintentionally holding us back because they're afraid of what will happen if we grow. Yes. And you know, just to add on to that is because we give in to other people's expectations of us. Yes. That, that was one yes. of the most freeing things I've ever done. Going back to your book about the subtle art of not giving a, a answer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is once I adopted that mentality that like, you know what, this, this is my life. Like when, when I die, it's like, yeah, other people will be hurt by it, but I'm going alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm going solo. So I need to start living. I mean, obviously, giving giving back is what I do. I'm talking about like the my time. 
You yeah. Know? So like when it's my time, like I need to safeguard my time a little bit better because at yeah. the end of the day, you're trying to spread yourself so far, trying to please everyone else. But then it's like, I'm going to bed miserable. Yeah. You know, being able to do that requires an incredible amount of self-worth and self-trust. Yes. The ability to know that the people who are supposed to be in your life will be there and the people who aren't there aren't supposed to be in your life. And that's a scary place to go yeah. because we're raised in this inclusion culture. We're raised in this, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all culture. And then the idea of, excuse me, the idea of like needing to, and, and I want to make sure that I'm not needing to care about other people's feelings. I saw, um, I saw a post the other day. This is perfect. I saw a post the other day that said, you don't have to light yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. Yeah. And, and that's what it comes down to. Like, I'm not saying don't care about other people's feelings. I'm not saying be an obnoxious jerk, <laughs> but this has to matter. Right. Yes. And if you're doing things that are in alignment with this and respectfully saying, look, I, I hear your opinion and I appreciate your feedback and it doesn't fit with what's going on right now. So you do yeah. what you need to do and I'm going to do what I need to do. Yes, I tell people, other people don't really care that much about what you have to say. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you, you, you think they do, but they really don't. E even if something scandalous comes out, they'll talk for a week or 10 days and then it goes away. <laughs> it's like, like nobody. Right. Really you know, so people yeah. are putting their lives on hold out of fear of what someone else is going to say. Grand scheme of things, they ain't thinking about you when they go to bed. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's crazy because we also, you know, we are very important people in our own world, right? And then you have these experiences that show you just how small you are. And yes. mine, I had one recently just um, about a year and a half ago where I went ocean kayaking for the first time. Okay. And I was in like a sit-in kayak. And I've, mm -hmm. I've only seen the ocean like twice. I've never swam in it. I've never been in it. Okay. And I am terrified of being eaten by something that is higher up the food <laughs> chain than me. Yeah. Right? And so I'm in this kayak. And, you know, I was with my Tough Mudder people. So, you know, they oh, yeah. know that I'm able to push myself out of my comfort zone. We ran a 24 hour race together and it was oh, fantastic. Nice. Um, and so they're like, they know I can take it, but I'm in this kayak and the, the swells are going and I've never felt the ocean move before. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And then be like, okay, I'm okay. Right. And, and I remember this piece coming over me at some point where I was just looking around and you saw surfers on the beach to your left and the pier was right in front of me. And then out to the right was nothing but water. And then you've got this water like splashing in your kayak and you can just feel the energy of the ocean underneath you. Mm. I was like, man, if you want to know how small you really are, like if you want to know how little you, you really are in this world, yeah, go sit on the ocean. It's, it's, for a it's minute. true. It's true. See, and, and, and that's something that I take for granted because I'm surrounded by ocean. <laughs> I'm, over, <laughs> I'm over here in uh, Rhode Island, you know, the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But to your point, like I've stated this in prior shows, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he's got 275 million Twitter followers. Yeah. This 7.7 .7 billion people on the earth, 
Yeah. <laughs> so grand scheme of things, he's got a little animated following. And it's yeah. like, and we think it's so great. But grand scheme, there's so many people that wouldn't recognize him if he walked by. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he's somebody, a megastar. <laughs> yeah, somebody said it best once, and I, I can't remember where I heard this, but it's always stuck with me, that you shouldn't care about the size of your circle. You should care about how the percentage of impact you can make yes. in the circle that you have, right? Yes. So I don't care about having a million Instagram followers, a million Facebook followers. Yes. I care about having a high percentage of, like, I'd rather have 100 people that I impact on a daily basis than a million that don't listen to a word that I say, like, which one of those are you actually going to want? Because the legacy is going to follow with the people that you impact. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, that also goes back to the whole fear of failure thing, because we think that we have to equate success with having X amount. Like with me, I don't really actively try to build my social channels, you know? So, I mean, I think Facebook between my, my three pages maybe 10,000 people, I want to say. Yeah. You know, my Instagram is like just over 3,000. My Twitter is just over 2,000. Like it's not, but but the quality of people that I have on the platforms, like that's that's what matters. So yeah. I, I can care less about the number. Yeah. But like, like you said, it's about the impact. Yeah. It's crazy because I get very few, but some um, podcast guests will ask me how many people listen to my podcast. And I'm like, well, shit, I don't know. Let me go look. Like, because I don't, I, I doesn't, it doesn't matter to me how many people listen. It matters to me that what I'm putting out impacts at least one person. Yes. And, and then those people reach out to me and I have interactions with those people. And I am, please don't mistake me. I am incredibly thankful for every person that listens to my podcast, yes. but I don't care about the numbers enough to go look at the analytics that mean nothing because it doesn't yes. tell me who they are. The yes. people on social media that like my posts and comment on my posts that I can have an interaction with, that's what I care about. Yes. It's like what the only thing I look at in analytics wise is just where. Yeah. Like, like, you know, did any new new countries enter the feed? You know, because I'm up to 17 countries now. And yeah. so just looking at that, it's like that is like it's expanding. You and know, isn't like, that amazing that when you're yeah. like, who the hell in India knows my yeah. name? Right. Yes. Like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's the power of the power of the internet. Or you you see a num a, a country pop up and you're like, where the hell's my atlas? Right? Like yeah. I don't even know what this is. Yeah. And then you're like, holy cow! Like the power of what we're able to do and the impact we're able to make is unbelievable. Yep, so true. Yeah, uh, Fahim just commented here. Yeah, numbers don't equate to how many people you help and inspire. Exactly. Exactly. Because there are some people out there who help no one that have mil millions of followers. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like you've seen YouTube channels where they just do completely asinine things, but yet they have 10 million followers and they're making millions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wasn't there this this like issue back with Instagram a little while back where we had to, like there were a bunch of places that had done bots and they had bought followers and then Instagram like caught on to that and they lost like thousands and thousands of yes. followers because none of them were paying attention. Like this is why numbers mean nothing to me because they can be um skewed in so many ways yes exactly like with with my show i don't reject anyone and mm -hmm. and, and i don't pre-screen anyone like i didn't re I, I didn't reach out to you ahead of this mm -hmm. you know it's because everyone doesn't matter who you are like i said in my intro everyone has a story 
Yep. You know, so like people reach out to me. I'm like, here's the link. Book book a time as the date gets closer. You know, we'll touch base. Yeah. Like, I just want people's authentic stories. So it doesn't matter if they're an author or if they're an engineer, if they're a doctor, if they're a psychologist. Like it doesn't matter. Somebody has something that they either just put their head down and got to, or they had to climb some mountains and go over some some closed bridges to get to that that end goal. And I just want to highlight that story. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. So back to you. So when did when did you make make the, the shift into being an entrepreneur? Well, actually, first, first, did you always want want to be a lawyer? No, no, I did not. <laughs> um, I actually remember my dad and I having a conversation when I was maybe like 15 or 16. Yeah. And he said, you know, you should go to law school because I always knew I wanted to go to college. I always knew I wanted to be successful. Nobody in my family had ever gone to college before, and I loved school. Nice. So I always knew that I was going to go. Um, I almost joined the Air Force. I wanted to be an air traffic controller. Um, that didn't happen the way I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so my dad and I were talking. We used to have this thing where my dad and I were both big readers. And so I loved John Grisham books and he loved Dean Koontz books. And so we would read a book and then we would trade and then we'd talk about it. And we had been doing that from the time I was like nine or 10. And so because of my choice of books, he was like, you know, you should consider law school. And I'm like, dad, like I like people. People hate lawyers. One of these things don't mix. Like I want (laughs) friends, right? So I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go to school for computer programming because that seemed like the profession. I don't think anybody's ever said those things in the same sentence. Um, so he's like, you're going to hate it. It's you're not going to be able to sit behind a computer all day long. Now, any lawyers who are listening to me are laughing because nobody realized that's what lawyers do. Most of the time is sit behind a computer and write, but that's not what people think. So, um, I go to school for computer programming and I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't the computer side that I enjoyed. It was the analytical side Mm. that I enjoyed and the creating something that didn't exist before. Um, and then at the end of my first year, my dad was killed. And when that happened, my entire world fell apart. And um, because I'm the first person in my family to go to college, everybody around me was like, if you don't go back, you're never going to go back, right? There was this idea that you can't take time off between high school and college or else you'll get stuck in life and you would never go back. And so I listened to them. I took one semester off. That was the semester that he was killed. And then I um, went back immediately and my head wasn't there and my heart wasn't there and I was an emotional mess. And so I just sat there and failed classes over and over again for about five years. eventually when I was about this close to failing out of college, they would no longer give me financial aid. My GPA was too low. I didn't qualify for any assistance at all. Um, We paid for college out of pocket for almost a year so that I could bring my GPA back up. And I was like, this isn't the successful life that I wanted. And I have no idea what I want to do, but I know I got to do something. And all of a sudden it hits me that success must mean a six-figure income. And what way do I possibly know to make six figures? Maybe that lawyer thing my dad talked about wasn't such a bad idea. So I put my head down, I pushed forward, and I put everything in what I like to call my compartmentalization box over here. All the pain, all the shit I didn't want to deal with, it went over here. Because when I had that six-figure income and that law degree, this was going to disappear 
yeah. and I was never going to have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so survive law school was a survival technique for me. It was a way out of a life and a way towards a world that I thought existed. Um, the problem is it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And um, I crashed hard when I found out about that. Wow. Boy, oh boy. So, <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people, I don't want to say that problem, but a lot, lot of people do that where they'll chase, they'll chase money. And so they'll end up in the career that may not be exactly what they want to do. And then there's always something right on the tip of their tongue. That's the answer. So like when I'm talking with people and I'm helping them kind of sort through what it is they want to do, it always goes back to something in their past that they, mm -hmm. that they wanted to do. But then you end up either, you know, chasing a profession for what it pays or you just end up doing something that you just absolutely don't want to do. Yeah, no. absolutely. Because, you know, you were told at some point in time, you can't actually make money doing that thing you want to do, yeah. right? You were told to grow up at some point in time. You yeah. were told in the, in the subjects that you took in school, like these are your choices, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, and we could have a whole conversation about the way that our education system is and what it does to children, but that's a whole yeah. different conversation. And, yeah. and the reality is like, we are all high school is, is training for college. Yep. That's it. That's it. Um, there's so much that could be done to change that. But because it's training for college, college is training for grad school or for a job. But here's the thing, like everybody who has a college degree will resonate with this. You get out of school. I graduated from law school. I didn't know how to be an attorney. Law school mm -hmm. taught me how to pass the bar. That yeah. was it. True. Then you had to figure out how to be an attorney when you took all of your classes to be a personal trainer, like you get out of that and you're like, okay, now how do I talk to people? Right? Exactly. Like, what do I actually say to them? Like, I know how many macros somebody should eat and I know what a carb <laughs> is and what protein is, but what do I actually say to a human? Yeah. Right? So we get to learn all those skills and we learn them all on the job. So there's so many things that go on throughout our life. And in, and, and, and I don't know that there's a better way to do it. So I'm here without a solution, but the reality is this is why this problem exists. And to, to add to that, yes, they prepare you for college so you can enter the workforce. Yes. That is why. So again, pre COVID I was, you know, pitching, pitching area schools. We have a career and technical school here about 20 minutes up the road. So I was going back and forth with the, uh, with human resources about me speaking there. And so she's like, you know, well, what topics can, can you speak on? I'm like, you know, perseverance and clarity and all this good stuff. And I also said, and I can sh show, show people how they, they can make an additional stream of income with their smartphone. And she was like, oh, oh yeah, we don't, we don't want to teach them that. And I was Case like, in point. yeah. And I was like, yeah, but they, but they should know that's an option. You know, like there's, there's so many people that have these and they use it for nonsense. I'm like, are yeah. you, you can make like, you know how you shop on Amazon all the time? Like, did you know you can make money from Amazon? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, were you aware of that? <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy because I mean, the reality is like we I just talked to somebody about this the other day where um, we were talking about dreams and what they mean. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, 
I wanted, I love music and I wanted to be a singer and I would picture myself on a stage with this music and a microphone, right? And there's a crowd and people are being inspired by the songs that I'm singing, right? And then I'm like, there's a problem. I, I can't sing, right? Like I, I can kind of sing like if I'm in the background, but like I'm not getting any record deals anytime soon and nobody's yeah. paying to listen to me unless it's karaoke <laughs> and there's a lot of beer. So um, I go down the analytical route. And then after the changes from, you know, I had my meltdown in 2016 when my compartmentalization box didn't disappear and I didn't know how to live my life because my model of the world had just been shattered. And I started trying to rebuild my life. And, and one of the things I found along that way was personal development conferences. And in 2019, I was at a conference where people were on stage and it was like flashy and, um, I was meeting people that had done things that I had never thought of doing as a career, right? Yeah. This is how I found podcasting. I'm meeting people who are doing things that nobody's ever told me as an option before. But as far as the stage is concerned, it didn't click for me because I couldn't resonate with that. That was too big. Yeah. Fast forward about six months, I was at another conference and it was much smaller, maybe a hundred people. And I'm in the front row. I bought a VIP ticket and I'm watching these people come out and they have walkout songs and they're on a stage and they have a microphone and I have all the feels from the words they're saying to me. And I'm like, shit, like all those things that I wanted in a singer, all the reasons I thought I wanted to be a singer when I was a kid, I could have that same impact as a speaker. And it looks the same, right? Yeah. But we would, I never would have realized that if I didn't go to places that expanded my perception of reality to show me that that was a possibility. So I tell people all the time that your dreams can only be understood as far as you are willing to expand your perception. The moment yes. you stop growing, your dreams lose life because eventually something's going to happen that makes you realize that when you were a kid and you wanted this, this is why you wanted it and you can have it by doing this. So true. I love, I love every bit of that. And it just reminded me of when, when I was younger, one of the first things I wanted to be was I wanted to be a DJ because I also love music and I also think I think I can sing. So <laughs> I know I can't, but I think I can. And so like I and always wanted the battle, to right? Yes. And then a very, very similar path. I went to a marketing seminar in um in Chicago and these two guys come out wearing tank tops, shorts, flip-flops. Like and these guys are making millions per month, not even per year, per month. Yeah. But but this guy comes out and he's talking to the crowd. There was like 5,000 of us in the crowd and he's like, "I want someone to answer me. You know, what's a, what's 1 hour of your time worth?" And you can hear a pin drop in that place. Everyone's like, "That that's a pretty good question." I'm like, I don't know. Like, what's the right answer? And he's like, if somebody wants a, a one hour consultation with me, he's like, it's $5,000. And I was like, crap. And he's like, the problem with everyone in here is you guys don't value yourselves enough. And then now I'm crying. Any personal development conference, any conference <laughs> whatsoever that doesn't come with a box of tissues in your swag bag yes. is letting you down because you're yes. about to lose your crap on when people talk. It's true. Right. And, and like, like you said, so once, 
once I was starting the gym, and again, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I dropped out of college, right? So like I didn't have a business background or anything, but I knew I was good at connecting people. That yeah. that I, I was good at. I said, so let me just lean into that. You know, I managed restaurants for a long time, so I, I did pick up a, a bunch of skills along the way. You know, from the uh, grassroots learning. And, and so I was like, I just need to learn this other piece. So I went to marketing seminars. I went to, to fitness conferences. I joined masterminds. I hired a business coach. But to bring it all full circle, I wanted a DJ speaker, right, in the gym. Yeah. And I wanted a handheld microphone. I didn't want the Britney Spears microphone. Yeah. Right? I wanted a handheld mic. And then anyone that has trained with me, they can tell you my classes were like a concert. Yeah, I had the radio blaring with the, with certain songs. I'm singing into the mic while they're jamming. Like I was in my element, you know. So, yeah. So just like you said, I, I wasn't necessarily on stage, but I created that environment that I always dreamed of. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, can I say something for just a minute on what you just said? Because oh yeah, um, this is one of the biggest things that I see when I'm dealing with professionals that are in a position that I was in where my identity was tied so much into being an attorney. And then I started to shift as I started to grow and realize that I could make an impact doing other things. And the biggest thing I hear is, but I put so much time and effort and energy into getting where I am. And you just said something that is amazing that, that this shift needs to happen. You were like, I learned all of these skills from like the food industry, from the service industry. I learned all of these skills that then helped me later on in life. Like no matter how far down the road or down your journey you are, you can always make that shift and you're not wasting anything because every single experience, every class you've taken, every degree you have is just an experience that gets to go in that toolbox that you get to use to help somebody down the road. The idea that you've wasted time in getting to where you are and that you can't change and do a different path because then you'll be throwing that all away is nonsense. And if I could kill one thought from like ever existing again, it would be that, that idea of wasted time. Yes. Uh, agreed a hundred percent. And so again, the show I was on yesterday, she was asking me how I made the shift from being a fitness coach into coaching people with business and I told her, I was like, like, once we went off air, I actually showed her the work, the workbook that I share with people. And I said, because I took the, the seven principles that, that I use with people to get fit. Like the principles are pretty much the same in business. So I just switched up the language a little because like to get fit, you have to start with where you currently are. Right. So to help someone in business or to start in business, you got to start with where are you? What do you want? Why do you want it? Do you believe you can get it? What are you willing to do to make it happen? And can you persevere? Yep. <laughs> you know, so I just took those principles and I just shifted it into business. You know, so like I didn't have to create anything new. I didn't have to take a new course. I didn't have to learn anything new. Why yeah. <laughs> would I already had just into a new direction? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for starting with the where are you? I think you and I both know from the world that um, we come from that the idea of setting goals, the part that's always missed is where you are right now. And if you and I wanted to run an obstacle course race, you're going to have a different journey than I'm going to have, right? Yeah. You're going to have a different training plan than I'm going to have. And um, 
if we don't get that realistic expectation, this is where I start with all of my clients, every single one of them. If we don't get a realistic expectation about where you are right now, you know, I help people design success. So it's like, what does success look like to you? In order for me to do that, I need to know what a relationship is to you. I need to know what spirituality is to you. I need to know what a career is, what your relationship with money is. Yes. Where are you now with all of those things? And where do you want to go? But too many people miss the starting point. They yes. miss the where they are because the where you are now sucks, man. Yeah. Like nobody <laughs> wants to talk about where you are now. I don't want to be here. I don't want to mm -hmm. think about it. I don't want to acknowledge it. But if you don't want to acknowledge it, you can't get to where you want to go. Yes. Yeah. And so let me know if you agree with this. And if, if you don't, it's fine. But like I tell people, especially in fitness, is like you kind of have because you know people always say be present. They're like, you know, yeah. you have to be present. It's like, you know, you can't live in yesterday, you can't live in tomorrow. But I say, but you have to live as if tomorrow's here. I say, because if you keep staying in your current state, those thoughts aren't going to translate to where you need to go. Like we were saying earlier about the subconscious mind. So again, going back to fitness, say if you want to lose 20 pounds, you just can't keep telling yourself, oh, I'm fat. My clothes don't fit. I have no energy. I'm this, I'm that. Then like, you're not going to reprogram yourself. Like you have to start thinking as if you're, I don't want to say already there, but that you're further ahead than what you think you are. Cause then that's how you're going to reprogram that subconscious mind. Yeah, I think I agree with you um, in a little bit of different terms, but I think we're saying yeah. the same thing. And that is that um, your goals, like you shouldn't be able to accomplish goals that you set for yourself. Because yeah. if you can accomplish the goals you set for yourself, then you'd already have them. You have to grow into the person who's capable of having the life that you want to have. And so the way I break it down into like the everyday is I have a calendar template that I've created for myself that works for me. And it has a reflection spot at the end of it. And at the end of every day, I write down how today was a success. Today was a success because, and tomorrow will be a success if. And then I kind Love of it. set that this is what I need to accomplish for tomorrow because yes, you have your big picture and then you get to walk that back. But the reality is having success starts with intentionally making decisions every single day and yeah. making those decisions with this end game in mind, right? Every single step matters. Every pound matters. Every inch matters. Everything matters when you're going to your goals. And so you have to focus on, you know, somebody like me who has 80 pounds to lose. If I say I need to lose 80 pounds, like I'm never doing that because that yeah. sounds horrible. Yeah. But if I say, <laughs> Hey, here's what we're going to do. Like, I want to be able to run a mile by two weeks from now. Yes. I, you know, when too many people focus on results and they don't focus on actions yes. and the results are so far out of our control. You may never actually have what you want, but you'll get pretty damn close only if you focus on what you need to do every single day to get there. Yes, uh, I love it because I tell people crush today, wake up tomorrow, crush tomorrow, crush tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> wake up Sunday, crush Sunday. Because people are like, oh, well, this is a six week program. I'm like, don't work. No, this is a, a today program. Yes. Crush today. Do everything that you need to do today and then repeat tomorrow. If one day, if you miss a couple steps, it's okay. Dust yourself off. Crush the next day. 
and get yeah. right back on the horse. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because this is one of the things I was talking about with the individual that I've hired to be my trainer. Um, I had to make a switch because the last person that I was working with is amazing at what he does, but we just didn't think the same way mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. Um, and I was telling him, I said, look, people talk to me about a lifestyle change. I'm stubborn as hell. And if you have to tell me that I have to change my life, I'm going to tell you to go pound sand. Like I like my life, right? I like who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Don't tell me I have to change it. But when you say something like what you just said of let's just change today, like tomorrow, tomorrow doesn't matter right now until tomorrow, we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to deal with tomorrow then. So this is just a today change, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can change today and then I can change tomorrow. But when you put it as, okay, this is a lifestyle change, you're like, why the hell do I want to change my life? What are you trying to do to me? (laughs) Exactly. You know, like I like my life. Don't make me change it. (laughs) It's true. And one thing you you said that's so huge that, you know, your trainer was good at what, what he did, but you didn't think the same way. And that's, that's huge in any facet of life, you have to be, you know, maybe 85% on the same page. It's like, you don't yeah. necessarily have to agree a hundred percent with everything. You know, life would be boring if we agreed, you know, on every single detail. But like I tell people in my consultations, I let them know up front, I am very no nonsense. So yeah. like, if, if you can't handle that style, then that's, I'm not for you. Cause I'm not going to compromise who I am. Yeah. You know? So like, that's how I, sorry, that's how I no, was raised. Fine. Even with my business coach, I told him, said, you just tell me straight between the eyes what needs to be done and I'll get it done. Like don't sugarcoat. And like I said, I was raised that way. I was coached that way. And I coached that way. And people that come to me, those are people that need that style. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, the power of the training that I have with neuro-linguistics programming is to be able to understand how people think, to understand how people communicate and how they process information and adjust my coaching style for what they need at the time. Yeah. Now, this brings up a really um, important conversation I was having with a friend of mine is we were talking about this client that she was starting to work with. And, and she says, you know, she laid out some things and I said, are you sure that you're the right person to coach her? And she says, no, I can coach her with the training we have. And I said, I know you can. That wasn't my question. Are you the right person to coach her? Right. Because I have, this is why I don't believe in competition because I believe that I'm going to attract different people. I'm very much like you. I'm very much type A, no nonsense. Tell me what I need to do. I'll figure it out. And so when I'm talking to somebody who is like, so can you tell me how the stars are going to align tomorrow? I'm like, let me give you my friend's number, right? Like (laughs) she's the coach for you because the only thing I know about stars, like is how pretty they look and that they might have a pattern. Right. And so like, and then there's people who are really spiritual and I'm like, I have my belief on spirituality, but if that's what you want, like, that's not my wheelhouse. I can, I can morph my communication style to talk to you in a way that you understand. I can adjust my agenda to fit what you need. In the end though, if I'm not the person to get you to the goals the fastest, I'm going to tell you that because I don't want, like my only goal is to make sure as many people change their life as possible. 
And if I get to be a part of that, that's amazing. And if I get to refer them to somebody who can do that faster and better than I am, then that's amazing too. Because I know that those people, they're going to say, hey, I need somebody that um, I can't steamroll. And they're going to be like, let me give you Amber's number. And I'm going to be like, thank you. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> so true. Like I was on someone else's show. It was a panel. And so one of the women, she saw my logo and, uh, and she's like, shut up and grind. She's like, what does that mean? I was like, just what it says. It's like, no, people, it's that if people get, are giving me money to entrust me with their goals, it's my job to get them to their goal. Like, it's not my job to sugarcoat stuff. Like, it's just not. And so am I a jerk about things? No. <laughs> like, but like I said, I'm just no, I'm just no nonsense. So I was working with, with a woman to create a podcast and she was nervous about speaking on camera. And I said, all right, I said, record three, three videos, one on this, one on this, one on that. And she's like, yeah, but I told you I'm not comfortable speaking on video. I said, how do you think you're going to get comfortable? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to get comfortable, you need to speak on video. I was like, isn't that yeah. why you hired me? Because you saw this? Yeah. <laughs> now we're here. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's time to put the work in. You know, it's crazy because um, my my prior trainer had said something to me. We had been working together about six months. And, you know, he had been using kid gloves with me for a lot of it. Mm. And, and as I'm telling him, like, he's trying to get me to make changes that I'm not willing to make. And my feet are dug in and mm. anybody like, look, I know that you guys have only known me for 56 minutes. Um, <laughs> but if you can't tell that I'm stubborn by now, like, look, <laughs> all right. So um, I don't like being backed in corners. I don't like people telling me I need to change my life. It has to be my idea. Right. Yeah. And so he's telling me all these things. I need to change. I'm like, but I don't want to do that. And, and, and he says, Amber, you know, you may want to cut down how many potatoes you're eating. And I said, if I have to choose between potatoes and abs, I'm choosing potatoes, like go away. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And so finally he steps back and he's like, okay. And I said, what do you mean? Okay. And he's like, we can, we can do it your way. And I said, we, you can make this work my way. And he's like, no, I didn't say that. He's like, you said that you don't want to give up your life, but your lifestyle created the results that you hired me to change. So decide which one you want. Yes. And I was like, where was that six months ago? <laughs> it's so true. Like, um, I have this woman, she, she, I sent them out for a run yesterday and she's always struggled with her breathing, but, but I keep telling her now, like you're using it as a crutch. Mm -hmm. And so she comes back in, like she's got tears, tears in her eyes and they know that in, in the heat of class, tears don't faze me. Right. At the end of class, I'd be like, all right, what's going on? Yeah, you know, but, exactly. But, but during it's like, no, I told her, I was like, no, I said, nope, dry it up. I said, dry it up. I said, <laughs> I said, you didn't make it because you keep stopping, you know, yeah. like, like you keep telling yourself that you can't do it. So you get out there, you get halfway, you get in your head, your body responds and you stop. Yeah, you know, like that's exactly what it is. I was working with a client the other day and we were stuck in this spot where he was like way stuck in his head and I needed to get him out of it. And I said, I'm really sorry for what I'm about to say. And then, you know, we went in this conversation. I said, are you OK? And he takes a deep breath and he says, I tell my clients all the time that the universe doesn't care about your feelings. It's about time that I start listening to my own advice. True. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like. He's like, I said, I'm not here to make you feel bad. Yeah. You have to see the patterns though. 
exactly. so that you can change them. And, you know, on, on the obstacle, sorry, I got something in my eye on the obstacle, um, on the obstacle course training, you know, path, there's so much of that I was working on. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Tough Mudder, there's an obstacle called Everest. That's like a run Uh, up a half pipe. Right. And the place I was training at was a ninja training gym and had, um, a mini Everest that was there. That was about maybe six feet, seven feet tall. So it was just big enough that you're not going to be able to grab up and you can get the motion down, but not the Mm. 10 foot tall that's actually on the course. And I had been working on that for probably, I don't know, four months. And my trainer was like, Amber, you are there. Like if you, if I took a video from you from the side and watched you run up this, like your knees are above this. And then you're letting yourself slide back down. It is all in your head, right? Like physically you are there. And it's all in your head. And it was just shortly after that, that it all switched for me. But it is, it's so much, like you're capable of so much more than you think you are. You have to get out of your own way. And as much as I love this, the phrase, get out of your own way, it's impossible to actually get out of your own way. It's more (laughs) like somebody um, pushing you out of your way and then apologizing for it later while you thank them. Yes. And before I give you the final word, so we have in our gym, we, we have one sandbag that's just stupidly heavy. You know, it's like, I think it's like 115 pounds, I, I, I want to say. So Sounds bes- fun. <laughs> so besides that one, the heaviest one is 60. So, th- so this one's considerably heavier than all the rest. But I was feeling myself this morning. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was like, I think I, I, wa- I want to walk around with this thing. And I, I couldn't even get it on my back by myself. So I called one of the other guys over like, Larry, help me get this thing on my back. So I probably walked about maybe a half a mile with it. And so one of the women in my class, I was like, Len, like, think you can do that? And she's, and so she, she looks at it. She's like, game on. You know? <laughs> so I pick it up, put it on her. And uh, she, she, she did it. So then a couple classes later, I have this other woman, Jamie. Now she's, she's strong too. And so I told her, I said, Hey, just so you know, Lynn carried that sandbag earlier. And she, she looked down. She's like, how much is it? I'm like 115. Let's go, <laughs> you know, like, and just, just the purpose of sharing that is like when, when you let your light shine, it gives other people permission to turn on theirs. Yeah. You know, so, so if I hadn't initially done that and then issued a challenge, I mean, I challenged Larry first, but then I challenged Lynn, then I challenged Jamie, you know, so Jamie's maybe a buck 45, I want to say. And she carried this 115 pound sandbag. Yeah. You know, for a quarter mile. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I was 200 pounds race on obstacle courses and, um, my trainer, when I, when I was training and doing monkey bars, he's like, Amber, you're going to inspire so many people. And I'm like, why? Like what my mindset wasn't there yet. Right. This was the thing that got me out of my shit. My mindset wasn't there yet. I didn't have the mindset I have now. And I'm like, why would anybody like look at me other than to laugh at the big girl that's on the races? Right. Mm -hmm. And he says, Amber, look at me. I'm supposed to be able to do this stuff. Like, you're not supposed to be able to do it. Like nobody looks at somebody and says, oh, that's, you know, the figure of an athlete. Yeah. So then you go out and do this and you take away everybody's excuses. He's like, you will inspire more people on a course than I ever will. Yes. I I did. I did a Spartan beast up in Killington, Vermont. Mm -hmm. And that was brutal. Right. So this 
<laughs> so this was the first time. So I hadn't experienced this before. Like, you know, Spartans were kind of new on the scene. Yeah. And so I was completely caught off guard on how difficult this race was. So we're right around mile 10 and I'm going up the mountain and I see this guy crawling. And so like I pat him on the back. I'm like, you know, keep going, dude. You know, you're awesome. And then I, I got maybe maybe about a hundred hundred feet or so up. And then I sit down, I take out a turkey and ham, ham sandwich, and I start eating. And then I see the same guy coming up again. He's got one leg. Yeah. He's got one leg. I was like, I'm sitting here eating a turkey sandwich, and this dude's got one leg, and he's moving. Yeah. So I wrap up the sandwich, put it back in my backpack. Yep. And I'm like, let's get it. I'm like, if this guy can do it with one leg, and you know, that's just another example of like, this dude's just going. Yeah. You know, he wasn't letting his disability define him. Yeah. There's a guy that runs Tough Mutters that is known as Blind Pete and he is 100% blind and he runs with a guide and the guide walks him through the obstacles. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I ran the 24 hour race. I did a, I was a pit crew member in 2016 for my, um, trainer. And then I look around and I'm seeing people on one leg. I ran an obstacle course race in 2017 with somebody in a wheelchair. And like, I'm looking at all this going, I'm completely healthy, um, probably more healthy than I should be. And um, I have both legs and they work and I can see. Yeah. Like, what am I bitching about? You know? Exactly. Which is the power of these conversations. And that's why I love this has been one of my favorite podcast episodes I've ever done because I love these conversations. Like I... This is where true impact is made is when people realize that their struggles are their struggles. And number one, they're not the worst struggles in the world and they're not the best struggles in the world, right? They're just theirs. And that they now get to go surround themselves with people that can help inspire them to push through their struggles, but they don't start that conversation until we start this one. Yes. It's so, it's so true. And that's why I put this up above us. You know, your true power lies in your story. And so many people think that they don't have one, but like I stress every single show, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, that's why I don't turn anyone away. In a couple of weeks, I have a Playboy centerfold coming on nice. <laughs> to, talk, to talk about her shift from doing that into becoming one of the, um, yes, somebody like you, Mike. And, and uh, to, she's becoming to one of the top sales salespeople in her, com- in her company. Know what I mean? So it's like I want to hear that journey, <laughs> you know, the yeah. going from there to there. Whereas people, people would be like, you know, you want to associate your your show with that. It's like I don't discriminate. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, but like, there's, so there's a journey there. That? Like, here's what's so crazy about that is that you know, let's let's go back to um, the idea of of wait for just a second. Like you can have me on talking about 200 pounds running obstacle course races. You can have her on talking about her fitness journey to be able to be this. And we're going to have different struggles and what she's, um, what her struggles are. I'm going to be like, really? Like, that's what you're worried about. And what my struggles are, somebody's going to be like, really? That's, that's what you worried about. Like we all look at somebody else and think their life is perfect, right? They must not have these struggles because of the way they look or because of the life that they have. And then they come on and talk and they have the same struggles that we have. They're just different because of their experiences, right? Like nobody has it perfect and everybody deals with the same shit because we're all wired the same. We're just programmed differently. 
Yes. Yeah. And then, sorry, I'm but, off my soapbox. No, no, no. You're, <laughs> you're right. Because again, and it doesn't matter either male, female. Because I probably have a good balance between men and women, and everyone shares pretty much that same struggle: self, self doubt, self limiting beliefs. You know, some support system not all there. You know, having yeah. having the courage to leave the nine to five to pursue the dream, and like it's it's the same across the board. And I told you, I've had people from Australia, from. Um, Thailand, from the UK, from Ireland, from Canada, from Mexico, you know, I've had people from all over and the story is the same, like the struggles, you know, it might be different paths, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing, you yeah. know, across the board. And so one, one last thing is about the power of networking. Like I met, uh-huh. I, I met you from a networking event, Yeah, you know, yeah. a networking event and like just listening to everyone talk on that thing. It's like, I think I messaged you during the event. Like I, yeah. I want you on my show. <laughs> and, and I think at the time I had signed up to be on yours. I was like, yeah, we like, need I to wanna, get that rescheduled. Yeah. So I was like, I want to hear more of, of her, her story. So like, you know, you'll be surprised who you connect with by attending these networking events. Like it's not all snotty people passing out business cards. Yeah. And can we say you'll be surprised what a networking event is when you actually turn it into that going to the yes. bar and having dinner with your friends is a networking event, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be this organized thing that you pay money to go to or this organized thing that you show up, you know, and 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 you have this this structured thing. You go out, you meet people, you get to know them, you find out how you can add value to their life and how they can add value to yours. It's networking. Yes, it's so true. Also known as rocket science to some people, apparently. But <laughs> no, I just, I'm so, like, I've gotten to the point, I used to shy away from messages on Facebook. And, like, people would send me sales messages, and I would be like, you dumbass, right? And delete it. Like, don't do that to me. Yeah. And now I'm like, it is my world mission to teach people how to have a conversation. Like, hello, yeah. let's start yeah. there, right? <laughs> so I'll respond and be like, you know, if I give you 15 minutes to talk about your product, do I get to t- take 15 minutes to talk about mine? Right? Like, how I would like I ever approach. know? How would I ever know whether your product's good for me if I don't say, hey, how are you? Yes. Right? Like, what yeah, do you need? That happened. I got two of those just today on, on LinkedIn. People, these long sales. Oh, and I just responded, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> My like, coach- let's start there. So we talked about the type of coaches that you need and I know we're running over and I'll stop hijacking your show in a second. um, We were, we were talking about the type of coaches you need and my coach is very much like us, very much like no nonsense. She's a former veteran or I guess Mm -hmm. there's not former veteran. She's a veteran. Um, And she'll tell people, she'll message them and be like, why are you asking me to have your baby before you take me out for drinks? Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, like why? Yeah. Even doing this show when I first started, because, like I said earlier, people want to get to the good stuff, like in the first 10, 10 minutes, you know, it's like, you know, can I talk about my book? Can I talk about this? I'm like, can we talk yeah. about you? Like, yeah. let, the, let them know, like, there's still people on and we're 12, 12 minutes over. You know what I mean? Like, and there's still Hi, people. people on. <laughs> so, so it's like, it's, it's about letting them get to know that first half an hour. They're getting to know you. Mm-hmm. And then now that they're getting to know you, now they want to hear about what you're doing. Now they're exactly. like, who the hell is exactly. this person Fahim. and why am I still here? No. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, Fahim, he 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 gave the first comment when we first started. 
and he's still engaged, <laughs> you know, because it's about hearing that struggle. Like, that's what p- pulls people in because he's probably going through some. He's probably going through through a shift. Fahim, if you want to be on the show, inbox me. I got you. Right. But but that's that's the power of it. And we can all learn from each other. Like if we stop pointing the finger at everyone, oh, she thinks she's smart. Oh, he thinks mm-hmm. he's smart. It's like to switch it to what can I learn from them? Yeah. You know, it's like as I'm sitting here pouring out, I have a notebook full of notes of golden nuggets that you said, <laughs> you know, so it's like I'm learning, you know, as I'm helping to uh, inspire and educate others. So thank I you very much for being here. Um Give, give us a final word. How can pe- people get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way is going to be through the website that you see on the bottom, morethancorporate.com. I have um, some amazing stuff that's coming up that I'd be happy to talk to you about. My mission is to help people design the life that they have always wanted to have and get out of their comfort zone to have the courage to live it. If that sounds like something you need help with, book a call with me on my website. Love it. Awesome. So, so again, thank you very much. For, for those of you that, that have tuned in for the entire hour hour plus, thank you very much. Appreciate the support. Feel free to share the show. You know, reach out to Amber, have a conversation with her. And um, I'm that, definitely going to have you on again because I feel like we could keep talking. Like, even oh, we longer. could talk forever. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm going to have to book out extra time for my show when we talk because it is, it's going to be a good one. Awesome. Glad to hear it. All right, don't, don't sign out yet. All right, sounds good. All right, see you in a minute. All right, so here we got here. You've always been inspirational, big dogs. Especially when you told Charles Oakley, you make him look small. Yes, he's referring to I was on uh, Pros versus Joes with him back in 2007, and uh, Charles Oakley, a professional basketball player, I had the opportunity to talk smack to him before I got knocked out by Ricky Williams. But anyways, I digress. All right, so again, this was this was an amazing show. So I know a bunch of people just signed on now, but we're we're bringing it down. But definitely go back. Watch the replay. It's on my Facebook page. It's on YouTube. It'll be uploaded to anchor.com as well. And you wanna you wanna hear this. this. This is good stuff. So if you're struggling with defining what your own success is, this is the episode for you. So again, thank you to Amber for joining the show. And let's cue the outro. So this Sunday, I am not here this Sunday because I'm traveling, going to North Carolina to finally write my book that's been 10 years in the making. That's going to be titled Shut Up and Grind. All right. So, but I, while I'm away, I will be broadcasting on Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay. So those two shows are happening. Just Sunday's show is not. So again, thank you guys very much. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore B underscore foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.